0: Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan.
1: I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Immature History.
0: Uh, we are so glad you're finally here. You made We've it to waiting. Thursday. Yeah, you did. Um, All the way. You did it. We're so, so proud of you. Mm-hmm. We're really proud. And you um, know, I'm really proud of us, too. Uh, yeah, uh, and same. Um, You've made it to yet another installment of um, spooky immature history um, as we are, you know, well into September at this point and just sprinting towards Halloween. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you you want to go first? Um, I do.
1: Um, And this article is from the New York Times. It's not Wikipedia. Okay. So my apologies. Um, but I picked this one out specifically for you, Megan. Oh, um, I'm overwhelmed. Yes. So it is by... It is from June of 2019 in the New York Times. It is by Tina Jordan. And I'm going to hold off on the title um, for just a second. Okay. I mean, the... There's not like a big reveal. It happens almost instantly, but you know, yeah, I can like milk what I can get. Sure. Right. <clears throat> it was like a plot from one of her own novels on the evening of December 4th, Agatha Christie <gasps> carrying nothing but an attache case, kissed her daughter good night and sped away from the home in England that she shared with her husband, Colonel Archibald Christie. He was having an affair with a younger woman. The public did not know this, but his wife definitely did. No one knew where Christy was for almost two weeks. Do you know this story?
0: I I do not. (gasps) I wish everyone could see my face right now. (laughs) (laughs) And they will when we post this. That's right. It's fine.
1: Wow. I read about this briefly somewhere and had completely forgotten about it. And so here we go. I'm so excited. Okay. okay, So the way that this is written is um, a timeline and it shows little like snippets of old New York Times articles to kind of illustrate, which is very cool. Um, But Mm -hmm. then Tina Jordan, the author of this specific article, um, wrote a little synopsis for each one. So we'll go through that. So it starts on December 6th, 1926. Christy was 36 at the time and had already published several detective novels, including The Secret Adversary, The Murder on the Links. Oh, and The Murder on the Links. Her mm. disappearance merited banner headlines the world over, making the front page of The Times on December 6th. Mm. Quote, the novelist's car was found abandoned near Guildford on the edge of a chalk pit. The front wheels actually overhanging the edge, the paper reported. The car evidently had run away and only a thick hedge growth prevented it from plunging into the pit. December 8th, two days later. Mm -hmm. After three days of searching for the novelist, the police called it off. They said Christie's brother-in-law had received a letter from her saying she was going to a Yorkshire spa, quote, for rest and treatment. Case closed, right? Not quite. Uh Uh-oh. December 10th. 1926, the police, apparently unconvinced by the letter, expanded their search, even bringing one of Christie's pets to the scene to see if he could track his owner's scent, which is so cute. I love it. If my dogs were brought in to track me, they would they would purposely point in the wrong direction. I can sure. Sure, sure, (laughs) sure. And then in parentheses, the dog just, quote, whined pitifully. Oh, um okay, small trigger warning for mentions of suicide. Uh detectives are, quote, now said to be of the opinion that it is a case of suicide, the Times reported. The search seemed to center on a pond called, quote, the silent pool, Ooh. which according to local legend was bottomless. So
0: um not, not you how know, ponds know, work, but okay. I'm no scientist, but yeah. it's like that seems impossible. Yeah, it's a pond. Um if you
1: think that's bottomless, wait till you hear about the ocean. <laughs> it's going to be surprised. your mind. <laughs> um, there was an especially tantalizing detail near the end of the story in the Times. Christy, the paper claimed, had been spooked by her own house. This is a quote from Agatha Christie. It stands in a lonely lane, unlit at night, which has a reputation of being haunted. The lane has been the scene of a murder of a woman and the suicide of a man. If I do not leave Sunningdale soon, Sunningdale will be the end of me. She once said to a friend.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Spooky. Very ominous. Very ominous. All right. Now we're at December 11th, 1926. A week after Christie's disappearance, the police were flummoxed. Quote, no reliable witness has seen her since the night she left her house in Sunningdale a week ago, the Times reported. But there was one important development. Christie had left three letters behind. One to her secretary, another to her brother-in-law, and a third to her husband, who refused to divulge what she had written. Classic. <laughs> December 12th detectives appealed for help from motorists and amateur sleuths can you imagine being one of those amateur sleuths
0: my dream job just murder me please (laughs)
1: um
0: (laughs) please don't that was a joke
1: yeah (laughs) just like to clarify um without so quote without telling why the police still believe she is somewhere on the downs not far from the spot where her missing automobile was found In the same article, her personal secretary angrily denied that the whole thing was a publicity stunt. Quote, it is ridiculous. Mrs. Christie is quite too much a lady for that. The secretary also handed over the note Christie had left for her, saying it contained only scheduling details. Hmm. The police, scrambling for clues, turned to Christie's manuscripts, examining what they thought was her work in progress. The blue train. Um. Then December 13th, 1926. Between 10,000 and 15,000 people took part in the search for Mrs. Christie, which is insane. How did they mobilize that many people without social media?
0: That's incredible. That's a lot of people. Or television
1: to be like, hey,
0: yeah, go find her. Just all they had was carrier pigeons. Did they know? Did they even know what she looked like? (laughs) That's a good (laughs) point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like that's the thing, is like, how could they? I don't know. I mean, maybe newspapers or, you know, town criers. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been a little late for town criers. Yeah, just Um, a little. Yeah. Okay. So, but um, between 10 and 15,000 people took part in the search, aided by six trained bloodhounds, a crate load of Airedale terriers, many retrievers, and Alsatian police dogs, and even the services of common mongrels, which is so funny that they went into... um, that much detail about which breeds of dogs. Are searching. Well, the,
0: the people need to know.
1: The people need to know it is important. And I it assume is. like when they say common mongrels, do they just mean like strays?
0: And I would think so. Yeah. Strays, mutts. Common mongrels. You know, your everyday mongrels. Yeah. It's so common. <laughs> so common.
1: So, so common. Yeah. Uh, the same day, the police speculated that Christie could possibly be in London, quote, disguised and probably in male attire. <laughs> and rumors began flying that she had left behind a sealed envelope that was only to be opened in the event her body was discovered. Huh. Spiritualists even held a séance at the chalk pit. Uh, mm. And then the quote from the New York Times article in 1926. <laughs> Says a party of spiritists visited Newland Corner Saturday evening and held a seance by the bushes where the novelist abandoned car was found. It is understood the medium expressed the opinion that Mrs. Christie had met with foul play. Oh, here we go. Here we go. December 14th. Uh, The paper reported that the police had found some important clues nearby, including, quote, a bottle labeled poison lead and opium fragments of a torn up postcard, a woman's fur lined coat, a box of face powder, the end of a loaf of bread, a cardboard box and two children's books. To me, this sounds a little bit like maybe they just found a crow's
0: stash. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But but, you know, it could be. It could be a clue. (laughs) Like a torn-up postcard,
0: a fur-lined coat. Yeah. The end of a loaf of bread. Like it's screaming crow. Yeah, yeah, crow all over it. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, perhaps more ominous was the detective's new theory. quote The police have information which they refuse to divulge and which leads them to the view that Mrs. Christie had no intention of returning when she left home mm. uh december fifteenth nineteen twenty six the novelist was found at a Yorkshire spa nine days after she disappeared um and then here's the little snippet from this um uh, so Mrs. Agatha Christie, the missing writer of detective novels, has been found in one of the most sensational disimp- and most <sighs> — Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. English is mm-hmm. my first language. <laughs> has been found, and one of the most sensational disappearances that ever enlivened the columns of the English newspapers and which set everybody in the country guessing is at an end. To be fair to me, though, that sentence was way too long. It was a lot. You could have Don't said the too mystery hard on has yourself. been solved. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Christie has discovered today staying as a guest at the Hydro at Harrogate, a well-known Yorkshire spa. And the explanation given for her disappearance is what was generally expected. Loss of memory. That she escaped detection so long is not regarded as particularly complimentary to the astuteness of the many thousands of police who have been watching out for her, especially as she appears to have taken no steps to hide her identity beyond adopting an assumed name. So wow. some real shade at the police there. Huh. Her husband informed reporters, quote, she does not know who she is. She has suffered from the most complete loss of memory. Um, Okay, December sixteenth, the Times reported that Christie had checked into the Harrogate Spa under the name Mrs. Tressa Neal. When asked, Colonel Christie insisted he had no idea what the meaning of that particular name was, nor, he added, did his wife. Years later, it was revealed that Agatha Christie had, in fact, used the name of her husband's girlfriend. Uh, That piece of shit. Wow. Hate him. When, uh, yeah. when Colonel Christie showed up in Harrogate to connect to, to collect his wife, he was quote welcomed by her with a stony stare. <laughs> no kidding, he fucking deserved yeah, it. No shit. Later, hundreds of people showed up at a London train station as the couple made their way home, hoping to catch a glimpse. So I guess they did know what she looks like, cause... right? <laughs> <laughs> um. In the same piece, the paper noted that, quote, hundreds of amateur detectives were today putting away their lynx eyes, gum shoes, and Sherlock Holmes pea jackets and resting from their weary trampings over the Surrey Downs. <laughs> 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 um, okay, so then we're jumping ahead a little bit to March 17th, 1928. Okay. The next chapter in the saga took place about 15 months later when Agatha Christie sued her husband for divorce. Hell yeah. And yeah, I like that. You don't just file for divorce. You sue Sue them. Yeah. He deserved it. it. Is that still an option? Should be. Should be. Um, So this is a quote from that article um, or from the article that day. The Daily Express says that Mrs. Agatha Clarissa Christie, the novelist whose mysterious disappearance caused a sensation in December of 1926 is suing Colonel Archibald Christie for divorce. The paper says that the case is not being defended. And then wow. um, they just give a summary of her disappearance and her husband's career. Um, so September 16th, 1930 Two years after her divorce, Christie remarried, and so did Archibald Christie. His new wife was none other than Miss Neal. Classic. Um, and something I didn't know about Agatha Christie is that when she got remarried, her husband, Max E.L. Malawan, was a, an archaeologist with the British Museum. Oh, that's so cool. What a dream. Uh, I mean, power Amazing. couple. I mean, can you imagine? Well, and then it's like the couple whose marriage was revealed today are now on the continent and will later go to Palestine where Mr. Malawan has been engaged in excavations for some time. So, like, they just get married and then they just, like, go on a dig. The
0: dream. The absolute dream. Can you
1: imagine? Um Over 90 years later, biographers and historians are still debating what happened during those days in 1926. Was it revenge, depression or amnesia? Recent biographies like the one by Laura Thompson shed little light on the episode. Um, a quote from her book. It was the unspoken subject. Agatha refused to talk about it to anyone. It was a real no go. One of Christie's friends told Thompson. Hmm. Christy herself discussed the incident publicly only once in a 1928 interview she gave to the Daily Mail. She told them she had been driving past a quarry on December 3rd, 1926, when, quote, there came into my mind the thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea once at once. That night, I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. When I reached a point on the road, which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off the road down the hill toward it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Mrs. Christie. She did not talk about what happened in Agatha Christie and autobiography either, dismissing the end of her marriage in a few terse words. Quote, there is no need to dwell on it. Which I love. Wow. (laughs) The episode continues to fascinate. In 1977, Kathleen Tynan wrote a novel, Agatha, about the episode. It was turned into a film starring Vanessa Redgrave. In 2008, an episode of Doctor Who speculated about the novelist's disappearance. And more recently, a British made-for-TV film, Agatha and the Truth of Murder, offered a new theory. Christy disappeared in order to take part in a homicide investigation. Da, 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 da. And that, like that is the story. Me too. That is the story of Agatha Christie's disappearance.
0: Wow. I didn't think I could love her anymore, but here we are. What amazing an absolute angel. Love her so, so much. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm gonna read to you an article from thelineup.com and it's called The Bandit Who Wouldn't Give Up. Ooh, Elmer McCurdy was not the type of man one would expect to remain infamous over 100 years after his death. Born in 1880, even his arrival in the world was a bit ignominious. His mother, slam, slam. like they're just slamming him right off the bat, <laughs> like from birth. Yeah, <laughs> his mother, Sadie McCurdy, was only 17 years old at the time of his birth. And she was unmarried. (gasps) How dare she? (laughs) Gasp. Elmer was adopted by Sadie's brother and raised by him and his wife. Not long after Elmer's father died, Sadie admitted that she was Elmer's mother. Shocked and traumatized. Yeah. Shocked and traumatized by this revelation, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, Elmer went from a normal child to a teen alcoholic prone to acting out. No. (sighs) Yeah. Elmer moved in with his grandmother and found work as an apprentice plumber, a job at which he excelled, making a comfortable living for quite some time. But in 1898, the economic downturn that had begun in 1893 made its way to the McCurdy household. Elmer lost his job. And within three years, Elmer's mother and grandfather had died and Elmer no longer able to hold a job began drifting around the Northeast, offering his services as a miner and plumber whenever possible. Eventually, Elmer ended up in Missouri, where he joined the army. There, he was trained in the use of nitroglycerin, the most popular explosive material at the time, which just uh, feels like not a great mix. Yeah. <laughs> An alcoholic, nitroglycerin. Yeah, uh, you do the best. Recipe for disaster, <laughs> you do the math. <laughs> uh after his honorable discharge elmer began using his skills to help him burglarize homes people and trains at one point elmer and a friend were even arrested and sent to trial for possessing tools used for burglary like his setup for nitroglycerin they were able to convince a judge that the tools were just uh were just for a machine gun they were inventing (laughs) oh is that all (laughs) (laughs) no big deal judge This is just for a machine gun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's obviously not that
0: bad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After leaving uh, the trial, Elmer began his stint as a train and bank robber in earnest. Although the limited training he had received in nitroglycerin often meant that his robbery attempts were less than professional. Mm. Once attempting to blast a safe door off, Elmer used far too much nitroglycerin, causing most of the money and goods inside the safe to be destroyed. Great, right.
1: You know, we, that's kind of an initiation
0: for, for robbers. It, it happens. happens to everyone. Yeah. The rite of passage. Passage. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in another attempted robbery, Elmer, Elmer's charge failed to ignite, leaving the would-be robbers <laughs> to scrounge whatever cash was not locked up. <laughs> elmer's so elmer's next attempt <laughs> took place in october 1911 he and two friends heard that a train coming through would be carrying four hundred thousand dollars in cash wow. the men stopped tra- <clears throat> the men stopped a train but quickly discovered it was only a passenger train <laughs> they managed to get 46 dollars out of the people on board <laughs> and two large bottles of whiskey, which oh, Elmer okay. quickly commandeered. Sure. Classic. Classic Elmer. Oh, Elmer. Elmer holed up in a barn with his whiskey. He <gasps> was ill and drunk when police showed up to make good on the $2,000 reward on his head. On October 7th, he was shot and killed. Now this is where the story truly gets weird. Oh, Elmer's body was taken to a funeral home and left unclaimed. Joseph Johnson, the owner of the home, embalmed the body with a preservative that kept his features and body intact. When months stretched by without the owner receiving payment from a relative for his services, he decided to start exhibiting the body to make back his costs. Nope. The body of... Huh? I don't like that. Yeah, it's gross, right? Yeah. Who's paying to see a dead body?
1: Yeah, and, and not like a famous one, just like a... Just some guy. A,
0: a robber. Yeah. The body of the bandit who wouldn't give up became far more popular in attraction than Johnson could have dreamed. In fact, he was soon attracting offer, offers from carnival owners for the purchase of oh. McCurdy's body. Johnson oh. refused these offers. I don't Yeah, like just, it. Not um, not kosher. Yeah, we need an ethics check Yeah, (laughs) over here for sure. Um, But then five years later, two men claiming to be McCurdy's brothers showed up unable to refuse them. Johnson handed the body over. The men were actually James and Charles Patterson, owners of a carnival. Um, they featured McCurdy's body for seven years, at which point the carnival was sold wholesale to Lewis Sunny. When Lewis Sunny died, the body was placed in storage. It made an appearance in a 1967 movie called She Freak. Okay. <laughs> With Great. his son's permission, it was sold to a few other oddity displayers through the 1960s and seventies. At some point, it was left hanging inside an amusement park's fun house. Wait, I've heard about, I like read
1: something about this. What on it's earth? so
0: creepy. And like,
1: like, did people think, oh, this is a really weird like mannequin or dummy or something? Or were people just like, oh, here's a nice dead body from seven years ago?
0: Yeah, because like, how do you, I mean, I... They had to think it was a mannequin. Some of the people had to. Because the fact that it was in storage for so long. and like, I mean. Ugh. I don't like it. Not good. McCurdy's body was rediscovered by a television crew in 1976. After a long examination, it was re-identified as McCurdy. After 75 years of odd exhibitions and displays, McCurdy's body was finally laid to rest, and covered in two feet of concrete to dissuade any possible grave robbers. Oh, my God.
1: I hope that yeah. Elmer has gotten a lot of mileage out of the hauntings he could he can do. Oh, I hope so. I mean, just merciless haunting of every single
0: person that bought or sold his body. Yeah, so uh, not chill yeah. that they did that. Um, nope, you know, feeling gross about it, and uh campers, we're gonna leave you to sit in that emotion that you're feeling mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, just but if it becomes too much, just put two feet of concrete on top of it and move on. It's fine. Yeah, it works great. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously the solution. Yes, and we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: How are we doing? Oh.
0: <laughs> yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Yikesy. Well, bippity are poppity. Give me, me the hobby. <laughs>